0: World's Finest Podcast, Episode 21. As always, I'm Michael David Sims and with me is James Doe.
1: Good evening to you, sir.
0: So today is the day we start Superman the Animated Series. Woo! Yes, yes. This is a big
2: moment. Stepping stone.
0: Yeah, it's a big stepping stone in, in I almost said Earth not the show history, but I meant World's Finest <laughs> Podcast history. <laughs> I told you before we started recording, I'm a little tired, so pardon hey, me. I'm I'm right there with you. <laughs> But uh, yeah, this is big. I'm I'm really excited to start getting into Superman. I know in the last episode we sort of spoke about what we were looking forward to and whatnot, but now it's finally here. I think this is a really cool moment for us.
1: Like we keep saying, it's it's kind of weird not talking about Batman, but you know, this is great. We get new characters, new plot lines, new animation, just all around new stuff. Yeah. Yeah. You know,
0: I'm sorry. Go ahead. I didn't mean to stop oh, but, by you there.
1: No, it, I'm just going to say, it's, it's just really cool to be able to move on, and uh, like you said, it was, really, it was really neat how it happened we happened to get uh, an even 20 episodes of Batman talk, and now we're jumping into a new series.
0: Yeah, the other day I was thinking about this. It, you know, Batman the Animated Series is really where uh, the DC Animated Universe began, because everything spawns out of that, in mm-hmm. truth. That was the very, that's the cornerstone. But if you really think about it, Superman, the animated series, is where the show, pardon me, where the universe really started to spread its wings. Because in Batman, there were no crossovers with anybody. It was all Bat-villains that we saw. But here, in Superman, there are so many things that... That are introduced that become super important to the universe down the line. We get Brainiac. Dark Side, Luthor, those three things right there become major elements of Justice League. You know, we get other villains. We get appearances by Green Lantern, by Flash. I think Dr. Fate shows up, if I remember correctly. I mean, there's all these characters that we see for the first time here. Now, granted, later on, they'd be a little different. Maybe they were voiced by different actors, but this is the first show in which we see them.
1: Yeah, this, is this is a really they...
0: important uh, to the DC animated universe, and that's one of the things that makes me sad about Superman the animated series is I feel it's kind of overlooked and underappreciated.
1: Yeah, it's... especially given the the success of uh, Justice League, I think is what caused people a lot of people to just forget that it, you know even happened.
0: Right, and if you like Justice League and what was going on there, you really have to look at Superman. and you. Have to, back to it. Right, you really have to look at it and say, oh wow, that's where Brainiac started out, and that's where Luthor naturally started out, and all these other characters, they first appeared in this show. I really think, had the producers not taken a chance and started introducing these other superheroes, again, like the Flash and Green Lantern, we wouldn't really have the DC Animated Universe as we know it. So again, yeah, yeah, Batman is where it really began, but here's where it really started to come into its own and unfold into this larger thing.
1: Mm-hmm. This is where the continuity really became important to, yeah. to the entire universe. Very true. Because they you can tell as you go into this series that they start uh, really keeping a continuity, a backbone, all throughout the series. Mm-hmm. and uh, And then we've like, you're talking about Flash and Green Lantern. Batman shows up in Metropolis yep. very shortly from now.
0: Yeah, and then Robin does later. Um, uh, doesn't Batgirl show up at one point, if I remember correctly? Yep. Or does uh, Super Wait, is it Batgirl look, appears in Superman, or is it Supergirl appears in the new Batman cartoon? Which way is it?
1: I can't remember, but I know that Superman has to go to Gotham mm-hmm. uh, team up with Robin.
0: Right, At some point, so. but I can't remember which cartoon that is. I think it's <laughs> Superman. I'm pretty sure it's Superman.
1: Yeah, I think it's Superman, too.
0: Um, but, yeah, I mean, the crossovers start happening. As you said, the continuity really starts to uh, not necessarily come together, but later on it harkens back, to use your it words, starts to, to take this shape. show. Right, yeah, I mean, th- again, the show is so important to everything that's going to come later. In my mind, it's almost more important than Batman, the animated series. And I know, that's going to get us a ton of emails. Trust me. They're they're each
1: important in their own ways, definitely. It's really where it became a universe.
0: Exactly.
1: Enough gushing. Shall we get to emails?
0: Yes, I think so. We should.
1: Okay. And our first one today is from Eric, who writes, Another great episode of WFP Gents. Can't wait to start listening to the next era in DCAU. Well, you won't have to wait very long. Yeah, here you go. I do have a question and or suggestion. During the run of Superman the Animated Series, WB Animation started to also bring out the Gotham Knights Batman cartoons, and after the first team-up between Batman and Superman, there began a new title sequence for the new Batman-Superman adventures. My question is, which theme will you, have, uh, will you play when starting WFP for Superman the Animated Series and Batman Gotham Knights? This is actually something I've been asking myself. Right. <laughs> but we're not, I don't think we're really sure, are we?
0: I'm, I know what I'm doing. You yeah, what we're going to do is, you know, there were points where I was considering altering our opening theme to reflect the show that we're currently reviewing. So while we did Batman the Animated Series, we were using that theme. While we do Superman, we would do the Superman theme. When we moved on to Gotham Knights, that theme. Teen Titans, Batman Beyond, so on and so forth, okay? But I am of the opinion that we should just have the Batman the Animated Series theme as our show theme from the first episode to the last. And that never changes. I don't know. I just, there's something about that theme that um, I just think it's better than all the other themes out there. It really gets your blood pumping. And I don't know. I just just like the consistency of us having one theme. What's funny, though, is that if we were going to start that trend, it would have started with this episode. That's true. <laughs> so, and they're already listening, you know, what we're probably about you know, 10 like, minutes in at this point, here, yeah. you know, so they already know the answer to what theme has been played. <laughs> I mean, I like I said I had considered the the multiple theme thing, but
1: and I, re- I I'll be honest, I I was really pushing for that.
2: Yeah, you were. But I you
1: know, it's hard it's hard to argue with having a consistent theme because but uh, I will just say that i the uh, new Batman Superman adventures theme might be the best in all of the dCAU where they combine the superman uh, the or- you know, the orchestral theme of Superman and the orchestral theme of Batman and basically combine it into one uh, one score and it's a really epic sounding song and I really dig it and I love the justice League theme too, but like I said, and like mike said it's it's nice to have a consistent theme throughout.
0: Now, now, who knows? Maybe okay. We're recording this. Let's let's pull the curtain back. We're recording this on Thursday, the thirty first of January. This episode won't air until what uh, Wednesday, February sixth, fifth, February sixth, sixth. 6th. 6th? 6th. 6th, 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 right. I'm sorry. So in between now and then, I may change my mind and go. You know what? yeah our opening theme really should reflect the show that we're discussing so then this whole conversation becomes moot
2: <laughs> i don't like because i
0: am on the fence i see the point that it would be nice to use those you know a different theme but at the same time I, as i said before i like having one theme from start to finish i i don't know i mean i will literally have to decide come uh midnight on tuesday as i head into wednesday because that's when i'll put the finishing touches on the show and i'm starting to upload it Mm -hmm. so i have a couple of days to decide so we'll see
1: okay I do have a suggestion, moving on in the email, that you can play the Batman-Superman title sequence on episodes that involve both characters. Episodes like World's Finest, Girls' Night Out, and Demon Reborn would get the new Batman-Superman Adventures title sequence, while Superman the Animated Series will have its original theme, and Gotham Knights will uh, will have the original Batman the Animated Series theme. I'm not sure if you found the Easter egg on the third volume of the Superman the Animated Series and Batman Volume 4, but when you choose to play, uh, play all, it gives you a choice of the title sequence.
0: Oh, really? I never, I've never done play all, I always go episode by episode?
1: Honestly, I remember, I, I remember him, what he's talking about here, mm-hmm. I just, I, it was, it's been like two years since I did a play all, where I just, like, it was when I first bought the DVD sets, mm-hmm. I would just, like, I, w- I went through and, like, literally watched every Batman episode, yeah. uh, from Volume 1 through Volume 4, and, uh, yeah, it does. It does give you a choice of the title sequence, and I always choose to have the uh, Batman Superman theme because I love it.
0: <laughs> I'll have to listen to that because I really don't remember the Batman Superman theme. The 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 mix up, the, the mash up, we'll call it.
1: <laughs> once you start, once you start listening to it, you'll remember it, I think. And it's it's really nice because they have the the villains going across during the kind of dark moments with the orchestra. It's really it's really well put together. Cool. Okay. Uh, moving on, he says, I must say that uh, the plumber business yeah, that you have, ex- have expressed on the vent form and on episode 20 is something I can relate to just a bit. What you describe is very unprofessional on the part of your plumber. As a plumber, he needs to have the necessary cleanup tools for the mess he'll make. <laughs> I live in an apartment building, and when they had to remodel my kitchen and bathroom, they didn't cover anything and left my house a wreck every day. Mm. And because of how cheap it was, I had to bite my lip.
0: Exactly. That's what happened here. It's like, yeah, they were in the house for, I don't know, seven-ish hours or whatever it was, but they did it for one-fifth the price we were told it was going to be. And so right I just had to bite my lip. I had no other choice.
1: Take the good with the bad. Yeah. In terms of the Superboy TV series issue, if you go to www.superboyhomepage.com or even wikipedia.com, you'll see that the legal issues have been worked out and mm-hmm. Warner Brothers can now release the sets. Salkin did mention that the sets probably won't come out until a new Superman movie is made, which means a, a while. A while then, but commentary, tracks, and featurettes will occur. Oh, that's cool. Have, Thank you. Yeah. I have also finally read Batman The Long Halloween. Very good. And damn, that was a great novel. I it's agree good. totally.
0: It's good. It's not great. Yes, it is. You're right. It's All good. Right. right. Exactly.
1: Uh, anyway, <laughs> I certainly hope that a lot of what is featured in the story is brought out in the Dark Knight movie. and I'm, I have to think it will. I'm already c- going to save up for Under the Hood, A Death in the Family, and The Killing Joke. Thanks, guys. You've certainly helped me get into comics. Have a
0: great week. Okay, now i gotta I got to say something here. At DC, if memory serves, they're putting out like a hardcover edition or like some special edition of The Killing Joke. I don't know. If it's a hardcover, it's probably going to be $20, $25. Bucks. As much as I love The Killing Joke, don't spend that much on that book. You can get the the original one shot no granted it's probably going to be like a fifth printing of it or something on eBay for just a couple of dollars so I just don't think it's worth all that extra money unless DC is putting out some like super oversized editions so you can really appreciate the art and it's got some backup material like Alan Moore's script or something just if it doesn't come with that it's not worth the money just find it on eBay for so much less
1: okay next email is from Mac writes hi James and Michael I love your podcast thank you I'm a new listener, less than two weeks, but I've listened to every episode to date. Oh, my God. Wow. In two
0: weeks? Oh, (laughs) man, what do you do for a living?
1: (laughs) (laughs) And I'm hooked. I love the DCAU, and I've started listening to your reviews before re-watching the Batman the Animated Series episodes, looking for things you mentioned that I've missed. Even if the two of you don't like an episode, I found every episode even more enjoyable. It's like talking about your favorite movies, comics, books, etc. with friends. Even if you end up thrashing it unmercifully, you still love it. Talk to you later, Mac. Thank you.
0: Yeah, I mean, we've said it before and we'll say it again. Look at that terrible trio episode. Just, Mm -hmm. Just look at that. Yes, the episode stunk. Yes, we gave it a zero. But at the same time, we had so much fun. Yeah. So, speaking of the terrible trio, we have to segue out of the email just for a second here. Oh dear. Okay. Now, now, granted, this is airing after the fact, but, 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 for those of you that <laughs> caught it oh, this no. weekend on uh, the WB Kids Network or whatever it is on the Batman, they have aired a brand new terrible trio episode. In this one, though, instead of it being a bunch of uh, highfalutin fraternity brothers going around thieving. It's three people who stumble upon the man-bat formula and become a shark, a fox, and what looked like an ostrich. I couldn't quite tell what that was. or was It was, it a it was supposed
1: to be a vulture. but oh, is that what it God,
0: was? Good it was God,
1: it looked whatever. No, it wasn't an ostrich because the head was, the head was uh, red or oh, whatever. Okay. But, yeah, it was... It, it looked very effeminate, let me just say that.
0: <laughs> so if any of you caught it this weekend, um, write in and let us know what you thought about it. Because, because we're
1: not going to watch it.
0: No, we, I, I, I am. I am. Oh, you am are? I'm going to watch okay. it. We're not going to review it, obviously. That's not in the universe that we cover. But um, I'm definitely going to watch it for sure. I mean, I have to. It's morbid curiosity. It can't be worse than what we've already seen. It just can't. Um Maybe it can. Who knows? Th- that's a
1: that's an incredibly scary thought. <laughs> I mean,
0: one of them is a shark man that can uh, walk out of water, so there is a problem right there. <laughs> 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 oh, I love Tim's new avatar over at the, uh, the Earth. Oh my forums. god,
1: that's that's brilliant. I mean,
0: granted, okay, I did make it for him upon his request, but it's just this funny image of the shark guy kind of leaning in sideways, almost, almost, you almost expect him to go hello, and then just keel over and die because he's out of the water. <laughs> um, but, yeah, again, I'm, I'm putting the request out there. If you caught it this weekend, write in and let us know what you thought. Let us know. Yeah. In fact, you guys, I'm putting this out there, you guys can review it for us. Because we'll never review it. Again, it's not in the continuity of, of the things we cover. So it's up to you guys to review it for us. And we'll read that email on the air. Or if you want to put together an MP3, we'll play that on the air too. So, anyways, uh, let's get back to the email.
1: Okay, our next one is from Christopher, who writes, Hey, guys, I was just listening to this episode, and you were talking about Star Trek The Next Generation. Oh,
0: we should note that the subject line is about Episode nine, so he's going way back.
1: Oh, okay, yeah, Yeah. right. Um, And... Uh, the episode, Chain of Command, where you said that David Warner played a Romulan named mm-hmm. Ghoul Madred. Uh, David Warner's character is a Cardassian, not a Romulan. Romulans look like Vulcans, but are more sarcastic and more sinister. Just thought you'd like to know. I love your podcast, and I'm a huge fan of BTAS and Gotham Knights.
0: Yeah, that nice. all falls on my shoulder. So thank you, Chris, for writing in and letting us know. I completely screwed up. I can't believe it took this many episodes for someone to call me on it. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I really do appreciate uh, you correcting me.
1: Yeah, and I have no way to correct him on that because I have, I have no no idea about anything Star Trek. So,
0: <laughs>
1: okay. And our final email today is from Aaron, who writes, "Greetings from the Last Frontier," that is to say Alaska. I have to say that this is one of the best podcasts floating around cyberspace. Appreciate that. I have loved, or I've followed it from the beginning, but this is the first time I've written in. Between work and school, it's a wonder that I have time to listen to the podcast. Between work and, and
0: school, I'm surprised James has time to record the podcast. <laughs>
1: yeah, really. <laughs> I thoroughly enjoy the podcast and i am eagerly awaiting the Justice League segments of the show. But hopefully, the Doctor Fate, the Flash, Batman, and Green Lantern episodes of Superman Superman will tide me over until we get there. Hey, you were right. Yeah, Doctor Fate does appear. Was, there. Yeah, my sympathies to you, James. I hope things take a turn for the better very soon. Yeah. Well, I appreciate that. <laughs> I realize that we're about to embark on Superman the Animated Series, but if you'll bear with me, if, uh, bear with me, I have a few things to say about BTAS. First of all, I have a soft spot in my heart for BTAS. I remember getting up on Saturday mornings and sitting in front of the TV and watching Batman, then later Superman on Kids WB. As I got older, cartoons lost their appeal, as I, sorry to say, happens to most adults. Present company accepted, of course. My interest was reawakened as an adult when I was browsing through my local uh, bookstore and found a copy of the Brave and the Bold DVD. I bought it and have not looked back since. I now own the entire DCAU that is available. My friends think I'm insane, but then I point out their libraries of manga and anime, and they quietly change the subject. (laughs) Good job. Uh, By the way, there is a Static Shock DVD called The New Kid. It has the pilot episode on it. I do not know if this information helps, but I thought I'd pass it on.
0: Yeah, there is also... uh, Remember previously we were speaking about if there were sets, you know, the season sets, and I said I thought there was a set that had like maybe three or four episodes on it, there is one that has the first six episodes on it, so but that 's it it's and that came out like i think in two thousand and four
1: yeah they're they 're kind of like the brave and the bold d v d Aaron's talking about here right it has three like three episodes on it mm-hmm. okay uh goes on to say as an English major, I get all giddy when there are literary references in cartoons, and the d c a u is full of them anything that introduces kids to literature even if they uh, uh, even if they don 't know what it is. The Mad Hatter episodes with Alice in Wonderland references just make me warm and fuzzy. Amen. I'm actually actually doing my uh, uh, thesis for my literature class on uh, Lewis Carroll this mm-hmm. semester, so. And oh, I'm an English major, too, so, woot.
0: While we're on the topic of uh, the Mad Hatter, Alice in Wonderland, and all that, someone wrote in recently, and it was a response to a conversation I was having, so I forgot to send you the email, because it was just, mm-hmm. just one quick line there, but they were asking if you're aware of the Hatter M series of books and comics.
1: I am aware of them, and I've been, and I've wanted to purchase them for the longest time, but I just don't have, like, hardly any cash available, yeah. so...
0: Okay, cool, because yeah. now the general gist of it is, and this is what I, I, I it's, it's sort of like, it's set in the real world and it's kind of dark, but it's not super gothic like that video game that came out in the 90s, right?
1: American McGee's Alice? Yeah.
0: Yeah. Okay, okay.
1: Yeah, I, I do, I do really want to uh, get, pick them up and give them a try. I just, it's just like another thing that I, I just don't, unfortunately don't have enough money for right now. And to finish up the email, now to throw out some theatrical trivia. There's a ballet called uh, called Harlequinade, originally titled uh, Les Millions de Harlequin. I hope I pronounced that correctly. That uh, it has been around since the 18th century, but the ballet was first performed in February of 1900 by the Imperial Ballet of Russia. If you look up the ballet, I think you draw some wonderful references to the ba- uh, from the ballet to Harley Quinn's personality. Mm. Uh, anyway, apologize for my ramblings. No need for that, don't worry. But I needed to get that off my chest. All the best, Aaron. P.S. Long live Captain Clown.
0: So today we're here to start our discussion about Superman, the animated series. And the first three episodes are actually sort of like a mini-movie called The Last Son of Krypton. And this is really the origin of Superman, how he came from Krypton, how he ended up in Smallville, and how he uh, ended up as being Superman over in Metropolis. And this one starts out... Uh, with the first episode, I thought the uh, producers took a very big chance here by making by setting the entire first episode of this three-part series on Krypton. We never see Superman. Yes, we see Baby kal but we never see Superman. We never see Smallville or Metropolis or even Earth. All we get is Krypton. And we follow Jor-El as he's trying to save this planet. And he knows it's dying. He knows what its ultimate fate is going to be. But no one on the High Council is listening to him. And the reason they won't listen to him is because there's this information net that all information is filtered through. And all of the population of Krypton trusts this information net, who is called Brainiac. So right there, we know... If you know anything about Superman lore, you know things are screwed up because Brainiac's not a good guy. Um, And (laughs) basically, Jor-El is trying to investigate... Uh, as to what's going on. He's trying to figure out why Brainiac is lying to the population of Krypton. Because he's telling them, oh no, jor information is wrong. He's, you know, there, there's human error along the way. Trust me, I know what's going on. And as jor investigating, he's the one that figures out that Brainiac is lying. And is it ever really said why Brainiac is letting Krypton die?
1: Because, yeah, because if if they found out if, and he, if he uh, uh, like confirmed that uh, yeah. the droil's stuff or uh, his theories were true then all the council would be frantically sending brainiac on a on a quest to make an escape plan and he he wouldn't have time to get off the planet himself right? and i use i use the word himself loosely there
0: right right you're right i completely forgot about that so what he does is he starts downloading all of the information literally every bit of information on krypton into himself, and he sends it up to this satellite version of himself, again, as James said, used loosely, and the satellite goes whoop and f- zips away it 's getting the hell out of there and Jorel has to run from the police um, because he 's broken into like the Central core, basically, and uh, it, it looks like he's trying to destroy Brainiac. Brainiac's framing him, basically, which I thought was a little odd. It's like, it's the end of the world, dude. Why are you trying to frame anybody? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. <laughs> but anyways, so jor, jor-, jor-, jor- rushes home, and he, go, he meets up with Laura, and he's like, look, honey, remember that plan we had? Where you know like the worst case scenario, and she's like, "Oh my god, and so we know what that is it's to put their baby in the rocket and send it into space into uh, towards earth of course um, and uh so that's the end of Krypton right there. the planet explodes. And baby jor heads off into space. It goes into like a, almost like a wormhole from like Deep Space Nine. You
1: mean and baby kal
0: what, what did I say? Jor-El? Jor-El. Pardon me, pardon me. <laughs> right, I met baby kal He heads off into space. Sorry about that. Uh, goes into the wormhole and with him actually goes chunks of Krypton, which of course will become Kryptonite. And that's the end of the first episode, really then from there um in the next episode it's it's where we're in smallville we see martha and jonathan driving down the country road and the rocket lands i thought that was neat normally the rocket crashes but in this case it actually lands so it was like hey look jorel actually put a landing gear on this damn ship for once but anyways um <laughs> the ship lands martha finds it she's gaga over this baby like she always is, you know. She decides to name it Clark after her maiden name, and Jonathan's like, "Oh, I don't know if we should keep this." Well, jump ahead about sixteen years, and we see Clark Kent sitting in class, daydreaming. And um, James, can you help me out here? I'm growing a little vague as to what happens next.
1: Well, this is where we're introduced to Lana Lang. Ah, yes. And uh, you know, there's a and there's a scene where uh, they're outside the school, and Lana and Clark are, disc- are just chit chatting, and then Clark. You know, to, uh, to tells Lana that you know he's been feeling really weird lately. He's been he's been able to hear things that nobody else can hear and see things that nobody else can see, as in seeing through walls. Mm-hmm. So uh, he then hears some. Uh, it was a bus that bro- like its wheel fell off or something. It was something. an RV. An uh, RV, yeah, right. And he hears it off in the distance, and he he tells Lana to call an ambulance because there's about to be a crash. So he runs off with, at you know top speed, of course, and it's faster than any human can run. And he goes and he, he saves these people from this RV that has just crashed into a tanker at a gas station, causing a massive explosion. And Lana, once Clark emerges from the wreckage with everybody safe, Lana's like, you know, the fire didn't even touch you. So, and he was like, yeah, that's what I've been talking about. <laughs> so, you know, then they go back to the Kent household and, uh, Clark basically wants some answers. He wants to know why he can do things that nobody else can. So they right. find. So yeah. So finally, Martha and Jonathan show him the the spaceship that they've been keeping hidden inside their. I guess that was their shed
0: for. Got what? It was sixteen years. About 15, 16 years. Yeah. Yeah. So. And inside. Uh, Okay, go ahead. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Um, At that point, you know, they pull out this small box that Jor-El had included with the spaceship, and it zaps Clark in the head, and he's fed all this information. You know, your name is Kal-el. You're from a planet Krypton. You're the last survivor. Blah 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 blah. And because of the yellow sun, you're going to have special powers. You know, so use these powers to help people. Don't use them out of anger ever. You know, you're basically an angel. Save these people if you can and Clark flips out. He's like, oh my God, I'm an alien, what the hell? And he kind of runs out of the barn, and as he's running, um, he jumps this gorge, and he turns around, and he looks at it, and he runs the other way to jump it again, and this time he takes flight. He literally flies over Smallville. Uh, we get to see the whole town from above, and then he lands back down on the Kent farm, and he kind of, all of his anger and all of his... Outsiderness, you know, <laughs> I know I'm <laughs> making a word up there, but whatever, okay, has, has washed away and he just hugs his parents. They kind of shortchange us on that aspect. Um, yeah. Um But then we jump ahead and we're suddenly in Metropolis. And we, when we're first at Metropolis, there's a news report uh, about this little girl, this little girl who fell out of a skyscraper from the 30th floor, and she was saved by an angel in blue with red wings. And uh, this is the first sign that, you know, he has become Superman. We, of course, know who he is, but the general population of Metropolis, they don't know what's going on. A lot of people think it's just bullhickey, you know, on some tabloid TV show, because that's basically what it's being reported on. And, um, let's see, at that point, I believe, we get the whole cast, and then... If I'm not mistaken, uh, Lois and Clark are paired up for the first time to go on an assignment. Lois is told to show Clark the ropes for a few days Mm -hmm. to to get him around uh, Metropolis. And their first assignment together is to go to uh, an event uh, uh, held by Lex Luthor. And he is debuting some sort of like, you know, kind of... Basically, it's like Ed 209 from Robocop is what yeah. he's doing. That's exactly it's, what it looks like. It's like this 10 foot robot that, and there, but there is someone inside, unlike Ed 209, which is straight up robot. It's just this kind of like this robotic armor that can withstand, you know, shells from tanks and fire and explosions. And it, the, the machine, the armor can itself turn around and destroy those tanks that was just, uh, attempting to destroy it. And as this is going on, as this presentation of this armor is happening, the armor is stolen. And it's, uh, stolen by some terrorists, for, for lack of a better word. And one of those terrorists ends up being, uh, what's his first name? Corbin. Ch- Corbin. John Corbin. John Corbin, who of course will later become Metallo. So I thought that was a nice little touch, but I'm sure we'll get back to that later. And, uh, so after this is stolen, Clark and Lois are trying to uncover who stole it, why it was stolen, and Clark starts thinking there might be more to this that maybe Luthor wanted this stolen. Do you remember why he thought Luthor wanted it stolen, though?
1: Because when, in the second episode, when all the, the chaos was happening, and all those ter- the terrorists were breaking through the warehouse and everything, L- Luthor just kind of casually saunters off yeah. as Clark watches him. He's like thinking to himself, hmm. Mm-hmm. So that was basically it.
0: And then that's right. When they talk to Luthor later, he confronts him, and he basically says, you know, if this suit of armor was stolen... The United States government would then commission you to build stronger armor, better armor, which would net you a multi-billion dollar deal to fight these terrorists who have the prototype. And Luthor is like, well, that's a nice theory, but you can't prove this. Um, and then at that point, Lois, uh, she goes to the ship. Uh, what country are they representing? These these Casnia. Casnia. That's right. She goes to the Casnian ship, which is sitting in port, and she talks to what's his name? Bibbo. Bibbo. Yes. yes. She talks to Bibbo. Who, if you don't know who Bibbo is, imagine Popeye in Brutus's body. You know, what I mean? he's got the larger frame, but he his face looks more like Popeye, and he's kind of this down on his luck sailor guy and um she talks to him and he's like look miss lane nothing's gone on or off that ship in a week i don't know what it's doing there i've been trying to get work on it and they won't hire anybody no one gets near it so lois finagles her way on there and while she's on there she happens to see the suit of armor she's then taken hostage superman swoops in saves her and there a big fight erupts between superman and the suit of armor but the suit of armor is being controlled by corbin so i thought that was a nice foreshadowing there Here we have Corbin in a suit of armor, who would later later literally become a robotic man. So that was a little interesting there. Um, Superman eventually stops the armor, and he just can't prove that Luthor had anything to do with this. I mean, that's Luthor's way. You can never tie him to these uh, devious schemes of his. And um, at the end, there's a big confrontation between Superman and Luthor, and Superman's basically like, look, I got my eye on you, dude, so keep your nose clean. And am I forgetting anything? Nope, that's about it. So, initial thoughts. We get an origin story. Yeah.
1: We never we never get that in Batman the Animated Series. No.
0: What did you think so, about that? What did you think about them deciding to retell, and to take three episodes, no less, to retell what is quite possibly the most well-known superhero origin. I mean, you could ask anybody on the street who's never seen a superhero movie, never seen a Superman movie, never read a Superman comic, what Superman's origin is, and they will be able to tell you what his origin is. I mean, he was a baby on a planet, it blew up, he was sent to Earth, and now he's Superman. That's the origin. Everybody knows it. You know, Mm -hmm. so what did you feel about them taking three whole episodes to retell something we all know?
1: I've... I liked it a lot in the in the fact that, uh, uh, especially in the first episode, first and third episodes. The second episode I'm not so crazy about, right. but the first and third ones are fantastic in their own ways. Uh, the first episode we get, we re- we basically get kind of a, a- an action story with Jor El. He's kind of like an action hero. Yeah,
0: that was very fun. This- that was. Yeah,
1: and he's got, he's he's a gen- he's clearly a genius, and he has he has some moves to go along with it. So. Mm-hmm. It was it was nice to see him trying to fend off the all-knowing computer, while you know basically trying trying to save the planet. Yeah, you know maybe they shouldn't have done uh, three episodes, but I mean that's I think that's more hindsight considering how lackluster the second episode was. Mm-hmm. But uh, you know overall I liked it because I think it's it was important to uh, I guess establish uh, Clark Cal uh, El Clark Kent, Clark Kent and Superman, uh, with the young viewers who maybe, maybe didn't know the, the origin of Superman back when this debuted. So I thought it was, it was a great risk they took. And I think they, for the most part, they pulled it off very well.
0: Yeah, I agree with, uh, most of what you're saying there. Um, it's, you know, it, it really, they could have done it in one episode, but the fact that they didn't, I think, did help the series along because it allowed them to introduce a lot of concepts and a lot of characters that would come back later. Again, Brainiac, we, we get, I mean, right from the get-go, he's now the series villain in my mind. He, he didn't destroy Krypton, but he, uh, he allowed everybody except one person on that planet to die. I mean, Jor-El had a plan to get everybody off that planet And that was, everybody goes into the Phantom Zone. Jor-El would then get in the rocket, fly to Earth, and reopen up the Phantom Zone gate and let out all of the non-criminal Kryptonians. That was his plan, to save everybody. The rocket was really meant for him. But Brainiac didn't allow that to happen. There was no time to to implement that plan, because Brainiac was fighting Jor-El. So right there, Brainiac just allowed billions upon billions of people to just perish. So from this point forward, he's clearly the lead villain over Lex Luthor and even Darkseid, in my mind. So I like the fact that they set that up. And then in the second episode, I would have liked to have seen more of Smallville. I would have liked to have seen Clark telling Lana about his powers. I, I mean, he tells her about the powers, but really show them off to her. The flying. The, the heat vision, we, you know what I mean?
1: Super strength, something. Right, just something,
0: yeah. because the second he lands and hugs his parents, he's then in Metropolis. So I did feel that the second episode was a little weaker, and there could have been more Metropolis, but that's okay. We, we're introduced to Clark Kent there, we're introduced to the Kents, we do get Lana Lang, uh, Pete Ross is briefly introduced. And then, you know, in that same episode, we end up getting Lois, Jimmy, Perry, the older Clark, and then we get Lex Luthor, and then we get Corbin, and we understand how Metropolis works, that Lex Luthor is the ruler of this uh, world, not the world, but of the world of Metropolis. Um, He flat out says it. He says two-thirds of the population work for me, whether they know it or not. And I thought that was a great line. Mm -hmm. Um, So... You know, you really couldn't get all of that in one episode without it being rushed. Um, they probably could have done it in two episodes, I think. Um, but I, I like the three-episode structure. I just do wish that that second episode was a little stronger.
1: Right from the get-go, it's they changed up the uh, the origin story a little bit because Brainiac was never present on Krypton when it exploded. Correct. Right. In the in the comics. Right. But you know, s- still, I think it was, I think it was a good change. I. I think they pulled it off extremely well, mm-hmm. uh, and because you, can t- you, can, you really hate Brainiac right from the start there. Yes. So even if you never knew anything about Brainiac, you can basically hate him. Again, I use the word him very mm-hmm. loosely there. Uh, you can hate it just with all your heart and soul, uh, watching what, what it allowed to happen.
0: Right, yeah. I mean, had they introduced Brainiac in a different way, let's say later on, episode 4, 5, 6, 20, it doesn't matter, and just introduced them as some alien entity, uh, computer entity, a robotic entity, uh, organic entity, it doesn't matter, that collected data from planets and then destroyed them or allowed them to be destroyed, we wouldn't have felt as much of a connection to him. We wouldn't have felt how evil this bastard really is. But because they introduced him in the first episode as the thing that allowed Krypton to die, as I said just a little while ago, he is now the big bad of the entire series. Mm -hmm. You do not like this son of a bitch, and you understand why Superman wants to pound the bloody hell out of him every time he sees him. Because had Brainiac not been evil. Everybody on Krypton could have potentially survived.
1: Mm-hmm. And they make him progressively more evil every time they show him. <laughs> yeah, they do. <laughs> and they really do. And even and all the way into uh, uh, the one appearance he makes in uh, the Superman Batman Adventures, where they cross over for a couple episodes, and into Justice League. So mm-hmm. they, yeah, they def they definitely did uh, Brainiac very well by by making him the uber villain at yeah. the beginning. Um, what next? I mean, shoot. I don't know. <laughs> I guess. What, what do you have to say? Well, uh, I think they'd made, they had to have made a lot of Jack Kirby, uh, I guess. God, what's the word I'm looking for? References? <laughs> uh, well, references, but I was going to say, uh, uh, homages. Okay. Definitely a lot of Jack Kirby homages throughout this whole opening, uh, three episode, three parter.
0: Right. I mean, you have to understand that, uh, Bruce Tim. His style, his vision, his everything was inspired by Jack Kirby. Kirby's, you know, Fantastic Four, his Fourth World stuff, his work on uh, uh, 2001 A Space Odyssey, that comic book. I mean, anything Jack Kirby touched, Bruce Tim was heavily influenced by. And you could see that. In a lot of the character designs, even some of the character designs in Batman, you can kind of see it, the squareness of the jaw, that's a Kirby thing. Um, the design of Krypton here, you can see it, especially in the, uh, the, the, the central core, Brainiac's central core, you can see it there. I mean, it's, it's all over the place. Um, I'm not the biggest Jack Kirby fan in the world. Yes, I know I'm going to get hate mail for that. Uh, but <laughs> but I, I like what Bruce Tim was able to do with it stylistically in terms of this cartoon and the entire universe, really. Um, and that's something else we should talk about, is the change in animation. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's still, you know, that Bruce Timm style, but it's much more crisp and clean um, and definitely much more colorful because we're no longer in Gotham City. We're in the bright, shining metropolis, the city of tomorrow. They
1: mm-hmm. can finally break out those bright blues and <laughs> yellows and greens.
0: Yeah. Yeah. What, what did you think about this style change?
1: Well... You know, first off, you can recognize that Krypton—they they establish it at the on the onset, at least, as being a really cold, harsh, dangerous planet. Mm-hmm. Uh, but once you get back to, uh, I guess they were—you in, you think they were in Candor, or like the capital of? No,
0: Candor, I think, is like a whole other city.
1: Okay, well, but wherever the—I can't remember the city if they even established the city's name mm-hmm. that uh, Jor-El lived in. But it was. Uh, Clearly, there was a nice little contrast there between the harsh Arctic-type uh, terrain where he where the episode opens and the city where they live, at the very, you know, very tranquil, besides the uh, random earthquakes.
0: <laughs> no, the, the tremblers. <laughs> They're called tremblers. Tr- tremblers. Okay.
1: <laughs> yes. <laughs> but yeah, it was a very nice artistic um, dichotomy there. I like. I and I liked it a lot. And, and it goes out. Uh, this goes on for. You know, the first and the third episodes. The second episode's animation is terrible, mm-hmm. but but the first and the third were very crisp, very nice, and I, I like the uh, the range that they go they go uh, go through.
0: Yeah, yeah. One of the things I really like is again how this begins. We start, you know, in this very cold mountainous area of Krypton, and that sort of tricks us into thinking that they are going to be using the same Krypton from the Superman, the original Superman movie. Which was a very cold place, mm-hmm. but then they're like, "Oh no, 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 no! That's not really the world. That's just a mountain that Jor fucking with." And <laughs> you know, then they move over to you know a city, and we get to see, "Oh no, it's not a cold place. It really is a warm place with vegetation." And brighter colors, and this very kind of sleek architecture. So it's it's there not the, it's, it's mm-hmm. not that kind of ice palace world of the movie. So I like that how they they kind of pay homage to it in a way, and then say, but that's not really what you're gonna get. This, <laughs> this is, is our, our world. Yeah. Yes. And I, I like you know what? Okay, when it comes to Superman, they they're, they always screw with how Krypton looks. And it's bothersome, because is it the cold place? Is it warmer? Is it a very scientific place? What does it look like? And even though they change it a lot, you know, there's a part of me, the fanboy that likes continuity, that it kind of irks. But at the same time, I like seeing the different designs. I like seeing how different creators take on the challenge of designing Krypton, one of the most famous alien worlds in all of science fiction. And I enjoyed what they did here with it. Now, when it comes to some of the costume designs, like the police that all look like clones, yeah. when it comes to the, the the members of the High Council who had those very green Ridiculously high, long
1: shoulders? Yeah, they had
0: those <laughs> shoulder pads that, that came up and were like... They looked like bat ears, but they were like 10 feet tall. You know, I wasn't crazy on the generic uh, designs when it came to the clothing, but I like what they did with the the members of the house of el how they looked i liked their clothing a lot i did like the architecture of the world the statues that were all around that were constantly crumbling i liked the the the, the information core that building i like how that looked um cuz you could relate to it in some way it seemed earthly in some way but it also had these hints of alienness to them and that's what krypton should have because these creatures though they are aliens you know they're not et you know, they're, they they look mm-hmm. just like us, so it fits to reason in some very weird way that their architecture might not be that dissimilar from ours. Like, that could be our architecture in 500 years. Yeah. So it's kind of a vision into the future, and I like how they pulled it off here.
1: Mm-hmm. Couldn't agree more. Mm-hmm. Um, getting back to uh, Jor-El, mm-hmm. uh, I really liked how they pulled him off, just overall in this episode.
0: Now, uh, who did his voice? Is that Shooter McGavin? Oh my god! The guy from can... the the is that who that is?
1: No, it was. I don't think it was him. It was uh, you know, I'm never gonna remember. Because you name. Know what I'm talking
0: about the guy from what? Which which uh, Adam Sandler movie was that? Was that Happy Gilmore or was that the golf uh... one? What the hell was the golf one? Oh, sh- and Jenny's not in the room. Oh, that was uh,
1: that was Happy Gilmore.
0: Okay, there you go. I thought it was Shooter McGavin, but maybe it's not. Happy but yes, thank you, Jenny. <laughs> She's yelling from <laughs> the other room. <laughs> hey, do you know the actor's name who played Shooter McGavin? Do you know his name? What? She says it's Christopher something. I don't think that was... So I don't think it was the same actor.
1: It's weird. I'm looking, up, I'm looking on the uh, cast list here on wiki mm-hmm. for the animated series, and it doesn't say anything about Jor-El.
0: Oh, oh, well. That's weird. Someone will write in and let us know. Yeah. <laughs> but what were you saying about jor I didn't mean to interrupt. I'm sorry.
1: I was just going to say, like, uh, I like how they made him basically the smartest man on the planet. Mm-hmm. And... I I felt I really genuinely felt bad for him because Mm -hmm. the council's ignoring everything he says, trusting this, this computer over a logical reasoning human being that they have no reason to distrust, and you know, and then they make him uh, an action hero too. Mm -hmm. So, it was I like how they pulled that off.
0: Yeah, that was something that did kind of bug me though. It's like, and this this goes more towards Brainiac. Okay, it's like, why did Brainiac turn evil? I mean, I can understand the people of Krypton trusting this computer that has never failed them, at least as far as they know. But what happened to Brainiac that made him, or it, we should say, that way? They don't fully explain when it became sentient, why it decided that the planet wasn't worth saving, and all this and that. I mean, I know he explains as you pointed out earlier, why he did what he did, but why did he become evil, thus allowing that to happen? Do you see where I'm coming from?
1: Yeah, yeah, I do. It's not Um, like
0: he was some alien computer that they found and didn't fully understand and they thought they reprogrammed but really had this secret agenda. No, this was something they built. They built Brainiac. So what made it switch? You know, was it, is it supposed to be like Skynet in the Terminator franchise that at some point became sentient and realized that humans were a threat and thus wiped us out with a nuclear war? Is that what Brainiac was doing? He realized that Kryptonians could become a threat and decided they weren't worth saving. They just they just didn't get into it. It's just, oh, I'm the cold, evil computer. You are all going to die. Ha, ha, ha. Like, meh. I, I well, just didn't understand that.
1: It's just... I don't know I don't know about that I really don't I just know that you know as the series progresses and as the DCAU progresses you know we find out that he's there he's basically an existence to destroy everything and collect all knowledge and once once that's complete that's it That's yeah. his program is complete
0: Yeah See so, like, that's what I'm saying how did his program get to that point you know when did he decide hey I'm going to See that's him. the thing you he, know he's
1: yeah he's like he says in the in that epic Justice League episode where where he he uh, combines with Lex Luthor, he says, "I was created to to do this, to destroy to destroy all things and collect all information." So, you know, it's like when well, when did that happen? Who created him?
0: Yeah, is there something we are forgetting? Is there something in the Superman the Animated Series episodes? where they give a little more history about the character. Maybe they say he wasn't created by the Kryptonians. I mean, it's been a while since I've seen all these episodes, so a lot of these are going to be very, uh, not necessarily new, but very fresh to me. I'm Mm -hmm. going to be looking at them again for the first time in a long time. So maybe they give a little more backstory about Brainiac, but I don't remember that happening. And if it's not said, then how can they then retcon his origin to be, this is how I was created, to destroy all of you and becomes some information core. I, I don't get that.
1: Yeah, I don't know. I don't know either. But I want to say that they do kind of uh, revisit it mm. somewhere in this, in this series, but I don't know off the top of my head.
0: One of the things that does always bug me about the Superman mythos, and they do it here, is how much Jorel and kal end up looking alike. I don't like that. I don't know why it bothers me. But they look identical. I mean, their hairstyles are different. If you look at, you know, grown-up Superman and his father at the same age, their hairstyle is different, but their body the same, their face is the same. I understand that there should be some similarity. I do understand genetics. Well, you know, basic genetics that you learned in <laughs> high school. But I understand how genetics work is what I'm saying. But I don't like the fact that he basically just looks like a clone of his father. Does, does this bother you? Does this bo- bother any of our listeners out there who wouldn't mind writing in and letting us know? No. It always irks me.
1: No, it does bug me, and this is something I I complain about in anime a lot because when you have a when you have a character who's a a distant ancestor or I should say a distant uh, successor to somebody, they always look alike, mm-hmm. and it's like I don't I just don't get it. It's like there's no creativity whatsoever in in the character design. Yeah, and it it does it does me a lot.
0: Yeah, it's like do something a little different with them. I don't know, give him a handlebar mustache, give him, you know, <laughs> blue hair, or something that sets them apart. But if you're going to give him the square jaw and the dimple and the, you know, the black hair, he's going to look like Cole when he's older and I like again, I understand there being a similarity, but to have them be identical it's irksome. It's absolutely oh, they def- irksome.
1: They definitely have to have the same hair color because both uh, Laura and Jor El have the same black hair color, right. so that's under that's understandable. Right. But other than that, yeah, you have to have some kind of dissimilarity. Mm-hmm. So,
0: mm. yeah. but oh well, oh well. That's, that's yeah. just sort of that's <laughs> not necessarily a nitpick at the cartoon per se. At but it's it's just more of a complaint exactly about the mythos. I mean, the only time I've ever seen a difference, honestly, was the original Superman movie. That was it, you know. And obviously, that was two different actors playing it, so that's why they don't look the same.
2: Mm-hmm. But
0: anytime it's been drawn, be it in animation or the comics, they are always the same in face and general build. Um, but I, what whatever, you know. I, like I said, when it comes to this cartoon, I forgive it. Um, I did like though. Speaking about Krypton, I did like, kalel baby kalel playing with a little white puppy. Mm-hmm. I loved that. I mean. That-
1: that was great.
0: <laughs> now, again, it's been a long time since I've seen these episodes. Throughout Superman the Animated Series, do we get a crypto?
1: I don't think we do.
0: Okay. Okay. I, I don't
1: thinking. think we do, but I, but you know, there's probably a listener who says yes, and <laughs> going to scream at us. But I don't remember crypto ever showing up in Superman.
0: There was a small part of me that was hoping they would have put the pup in the rocket. Yeah, because they put kal in there, they put that uh, little box in there that shoots kal in the face earlier and feeds him all the information, but I was hoping they would have put the puppy in there. Don't let the puppy die. The puppy doesn't have to die. He can fit in the rocket. Give him a companion, you know? Yeah, seriously. And then and then it would have been cool, you know? What could have happened was the rocket opens up and the puppy scampers away because he's afraid, and then some years later he comes back, you know, like, oh, look, yeah. here's this super dog that no one knew about in Smallville. I don't know. It's silly. I mean the whole the whole crypto the super dog thing you know the whole super animal thing is ridiculous but if you're gonna introduce a white kryptonian puppy bring him to Earth let's see him come on you can't seriously because
1: ah. everybody you know everybody who knows anything about uh, the Superman mythos knows about crypto the super dog mm-hmm. and when they see the little white puppy on Krypton they gotta think well it's crypto
0: yeah and then all of a sudden oh wait he's dead <laughs> yeah
1: I was like oh. <laughs>
0: Yeah. It's like, well, I didn't care about that guy. I didn't really care about Laura and jor but the puppy. Oh. Well,
1: I know. That's it's Every time I see a movie with a dog in it, uh, and it's like an action movie where the dog is in danger, it's like, come on, let the dog live, like an Independence Day. Yeah. When I first saw Independence Day in the theater. Every single person in the theater clapped when the dog escaped yeah. the giant explosion.
0: <laughs> so, was, somehow I knew you were going to bring up Independence Day. I just knew it. I, I know. It's... <laughs> Is
1: when like it's like the movie people think about when they think of a dog or an animal not being killed. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> anyway. Yeah.
0: Anyways, uh, back to back to Krypton. Do you mind if I continue, or do you want to jump in here?
1: Uh go ahead. Okay, and I'll jump in with the animation in a
0: second. Okay. There were a couple of nitpicks I had when it comes to um, logic, I guess, and that's. Okay, Jorel, he escapes from Brainiac's Central Core. He dives out the window, he tumbles down the side of the building, and he limps, literally limps, back to his house, the, the house of Al. And he gets there limping before the police do on their rocket cars.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And okay, the police naturally, logically, they know who they're chasing, so they would have went to the house, and they would have been waiting for him. So for them to show up, like, 20 minutes after he limped there was a little ridiculous. I mean, I understand why they wrote it the way they did. You know, he el had to get home first, but then they should have set up something else to explain why the police didn't go to jor house first, why they searched elsewhere. Because where else is the guy going to go? He's going to go home to, to his wife and kid and father-in-law. You know, that's, that's everybody that's there. He's, that's where he's going to go. I mean, later on, they do set up that Jorel and, uh, oh, what was the father-in-law's name?
1: Uh, that was, uh, Solvan.
0: Solvan, right. I mean, later on, Solvan does distract the police so they can launch the rocket. That was cool. But they should have had something else earlier to distract the police before Jorel went home. Because it just, yeah. it, logically, it just doesn't make sense why they weren't waiting for him. They're on rocket cars. He has to limp two miles. You know, they would—they would have been waiting. I mean, Laura would have been serving them tea while they waited for jor That's how much time it would have taken. Um,
1: and he stops limping in the right after he gets home. He just stops limping. Yeah, always
0: he just worked that kink out. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. there you go. Now, another thing I have uh, gripe-wise uh, is they keep saying that Baby kal is going to—and not just Baby kal but that. The whole plan, again, as I said, was Jorel was gonna go in the rocket, everybody else was gonna go in the Phantom Zone, Jorel was then going to fly to Earth. He says Earth, where he could then open the Phantom Zone. Okay, that was the initial plan. Then once that's out the window because Brainiac's a douchebag, they then decide to send Kalel to Earth. Why Earth? I just I wanted them to explain why Earth was the destination, why they didn't choose an uninhabited planet. I mean, because if the Kryptonians, billions of these Kryptonians, were just going to suddenly appear on Earth as the initial plan was, what was going to happen to the six billion Earthlings? Do you see what I'm saying there? Mm-hmm. So I wish they would have said they would just would have said a distant planet. But if they do that, I understand there's a bigger problem because then Jorel's just blindly shooting his kid off into space, you know. But I just have a problem with this them just arbitrarily saying it's going to be Earth and never explaining why it was going to be Earth. I much rather would have had them do it where they were going to send Kalel to, um, I don't know. See, you can't do it if it's the baby. That's the problem. It has to be okay. Here's here's the the fault in this. If they were all going to reappear on this distant planet eventually, it should be an uninhabited planet because otherwise the rest of the population is screwed up. You see what I'm saying? Huh. They're right. just going to get wiped out. But you can't send a baby to an uninhabited planet, so you have to send them to somewhere else. You see? So... Mm
2: -hmm.
0: I'm torn there, because I understand why they had to send them to Earth, but at the same time, it should have been a planet that was uninhabited. So really, here we go. I'm just talking this out. Pardon my rambling, but, (laughs) you know, this is the 21st episode. You're you're all used to it by now. Okay? What they really should have done was had Jorel, his initial plan was to... He was going to send himself to the uninhabited planet, and... All the Kryptonians would then be let out, and they could recolonize. But once that plan was shot out the window, literally, they Jor-el then should have said, "You know what? I know this planet where I can send our baby, where I can send Kal-el." And so you could see him recalibrating real quickly the the trajectory of the rocket and where the wormhole was going to appear, and all this and that. And that would explain why Kal-el ended up on Earth. But that's not that wouldn't have been the Kryptonian's destination because Kal-el knows what's going to happen to. Did I say Kalel? el that's uh-huh. what I meant to say. Sorry, I get confused. Jorel knows what was going to happen to Kalel. He says, he tells him in that message, you know, you have these superpowers because of the yellow sun. So all of a sudden, you're going to send these six billion Kryptonians who are going to be superpowered to this planet that's now going to overpopulate the planet because there's an, a, another six billion people on Earth, and all these Kryptonians are going to have superpowers? Ooh. You see what I'm saying there? So now you're going yeah. to have these billions of super-powered aliens taking over this planet from these unpowered humans. There's there's a problem with that. There's there's absolutely a problem with that. So, again, I just wish in the dialogue they just would have said that, oh, I have to recalibrate the rocket. We'll send them to this planet I've been studying called Earth. It'll give them some weird powers, but if our baby's to live, that's the way it has to be. It's, it's, you see where I'm coming from? I know I'm rambling. I know I'm on a soapbox here, but please tell me you see where I'm coming from.
1: I do. I do. <laughs> okay. And I, I wish I could add something to it, but uh, you pretty much explained everything. <laughs> <laughs> um,
0: okay, before... It's a strip. Before you get into the animation, there's one more huge gripe I have with this. Okay? By all means. Right before the rocket launches, Jorel says to Lara, he says, you know, basically it's going to be a tight fit and I have to remodify some things, but you can get in the rocket too. You can go with our baby and live. And Laura says, no, I'd rather stay with you, my love. What? What mother, I almost said on Earth, but what mother in her right mind would let let her baby go off into space (laughs) by his lonesome to stay (laughs) behind and die with her husband? I really did not like that. I mean, I understood why they had to explain it. They absolutely had to explain it. But I thought it was a very weak explanation. I mean they could have gone so far as to say uh, i don't know maybe right as jorel was launching like right when he was initiating the sequence the police start busting in and they start arresting laura and they're going for jorel and he hits the launch button and boom the rocket goes out the window you know but for to have laura just be like, no, I'm going to stay here with you, my husband. and not, For the next five minutes. Yeah, and not and not spend, you know, any, you know, another 20, 30, 40, 50 years, however long Kryptonians can live on Earth with our baby is suspect to me. I just don't believe any rational mother would do that. But, hey, what do I know? I'm not a mother. So I'm sorry. <laughs> now, you said you had some, uh, you wanted to talk about the animation a little?
1: Yeah, um, I'll just like i said earlier the first episode's animation and the third episode's animation are absolutely phenomenal in every way i don't i can't i don't f- remember any moments during the first and third episodes where i said Ugh, the animation is kind of eh here mm-hmm. but the second episode yeah, yeah. <laughs> the animation was just terrible yeah and it was because it was so choppy and it, i don't know i don't know what was with luthor he looked like I don't know. His body was like five feet tall, and he was really, and his like shoulders are out for like four feet in either direction. It was just really, <laughs> it was
0: really bad. Yeah, it was, but I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. Go ahead.
1: No, I was gonna, I'm just gonna jump right back into the first first episode here with the animation of Krypton's explosion. Wow, mm-hmm. that that was some that was some special animation. It was. It was. It really was, and it captured, it helped capture the sadness of the death of Krypton. Uh, it added so much to it that I really, it's hard to even explain it was so good.
2: Mm -hmm.
0: It was, I mean, this time when I watched it, this didn't happen to me, but uh, I'd say about a year ago, I rewatched this three-parter, and during the first part, when Krypton was exploding and Laura was deciding to stay with her husband, I got a little misty. I was like, man, this is sad. I don't want these people to die. I mean, I know they have to die because that's the Superman myth, but... Wow! I don't want this to happen. And you're right. The animation of the planet exploding, of the the tremblers destroying everything, knocking these towers over on top of the green of people, mushroom clouds. The green mushroom clouds. We see, you know, the, the the core where Brainiac used to be housed. We see a guy on a walkway on a bridge, basically, just die. That, that whole thing falls while he's still on it. We see him die. We see people getting crushed. Again, the green mushroom clouds erupting. The ripple effect over Krypton as the rocket flies away. As this little baby becomes the last uh, uh, survivor of this now extinct world. I mean, it's very sad. And had the animation been weak during those like last two minutes of the episode, it there would be absolutely no emotion to it. But because mm-hmm. they pulled off that animation, there's such emotion, there's such power to the death of the planet. There really is.
1: And they and they talk about it in the uh, the commentary for the episode oh. on the DVD. They actually talk about the animation. Uh, I can't remember who it was who was speaking. He said it was the only time I ever stood up to Bruce Timm <laughs> to br- about about I, the animation must be done this way, mm-hmm. like the green glassy effect. Mm-hmm. And Bruce was like, "Well, I'm glad you did. I'm <laughs> glad you stood up to
2: me."
1: <laughs> Uh, so it was. It really was some fantastic animation. I just, I really wish that they had been able to keep uh, a similar level of animation on on the second episode because it really, it really detracted from it.
0: You know what? It, uh, you know what it was. You know how? And there were some Batman episodes like this where the first act yeah. and the third act were really good, and the middle act was kind of eh in animation wise. That's what happened here. The first act you can consider the first episode. The third act you can consider the or the third episode is the third act, and then the second act, it, the animation slipped. It's just what happens for some weird reason in these shows. Mm-hmm. I don't know why, but that's, that's just either. the way it is.
1: How about, speaking of animation, how about uh, Blood on the very first episode?
0: There we go. I mean, we get it in the first episode of Batman, so why? might as well get it mm-hmm. in the first episode of Superman.
1: <laughs> yeah, Sure. I th- I'm almost positive we get it in the first episode of Justice League do we
0: wow i all... I can't wait to see that who is it that bleeds? do you remember oh god it... no i don't
1: remember I don't rem- I don't remember off the top of my head if it's I know it's secret origins and it's a three parter so it's a lot of stuff I'm trying to remember yeah. well, okay. it's- I'm trying to process it but oh well. okay yeah I mean just
0: there's that little bit of blood coming out of jar well, you know, know what, what? we yeah.
1: have people melting so I mean, <laughs> <laughs> <we'll> just <laughs> that takes it a little bit further yeah so okay. anyway
0: um now, earlier I was speaking about the similarities between Jorel and the adult kal better known as Superman, of course, um, and how I didn't like that. Now, one of the things I did like about it, though, not between those two necessarily, is that is the slight similarity between Laura and kal Laura had a spit curl. She had the S-spit curl
2: mm-hmm.
0: that Superman would later have, and... You know, I've, again, I've seen this episode a couple of times before, or all three of these episodes, I should say, a couple of times before. This was the first time I noticed it, though. And I thought it was neat that they didn't put it on Joe because, again, that would have been one... That would have been, that would have been just going too far in terms of similarity. But oh. the fact that it was basically his mother's hairstyle, and he took that, I got a kick out of it. I thought it was neat, and, you know, like I said, it was just one of those little things that I just picked up on this time for whatever weird reason. Um... So, well, it's nice to
1: see that they actually incorporated some of Laura into Clark.
0: Right, because this, this, is, this is exactly what I was going to say. In the past, we would complain about how Martha Wayne was just a, a background character. I mean, we, we went so far to say that she looked like just, just like Leslie Tompkins sometimes, voiced by her, it sounded like, too. And... She was just a background character, and that's the way it is in the Batman mythos. It's, it's always, you know, my father's house. This is my father's house. This is my father's money, and we don't get much of the, the mother. And th- there's a lot of that when it comes to Superman 2. But here, you know, we do get some characterization with Laura. Again, I think some of it's suspect in her decision to stay behind, but whatever. We'll overlook it for this little discussion right here. And at the very least, they took part of her hairstyle, and they put it on the sun. I, I like that. I mean, I, I it showed that Clark did, or Kalel did, you know, because up to up to the point where he was sixteen, he had never seen his birth parents before, so he he looked at them, and he you know decided, look, I'm you know I'm going to take this little aspect of my mother and put it on my hair when I become you know Superman. I, I like that because it shows he's honoring her.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, the voice acting too, I should say, it was. Great mm-hmm. all around the whole th- throughout the whole three parter pretty much everybody was just on mm-hmm. uh, you know from from Daly to uh, to Delaney and uh, the, uh, Corey Burton who is perfect for brainiac i love yeah. I love his Brainiac voice it's just it's awesome mm-hmm. and he actually goes on to voice toy man also which is oh, really? very very strange I didn't yes. Know that. Huh. Well, at least in this series, I think they changed his voice actor in the, in the later in like in Justice League when he shows up there. But uh, I'm not sh- I'm not sure about that. But I, you know I th- I'm almost positive the vo- because I was I went ahead and watched the next episode okay. in the in the series and you know Toyman shows up and uh, the voice actors sound very different from what I remember from Justice League. Okay. But but whatever. Uh, the point is the uh, voice acting here was really really good and everybody you could tell everybody was really just. They really cared about putting on a, a very good show for this being a a pilot slash you know debut yeah.
0: yeah now I have a question when it comes to voice acting who do you know who voiced Perry white
1: that was george DeZunza.
0: who is also uh
1: uh scarface okay I... and, the, and the ventriloquist. okay
0: thank you i when i'm listening when I was listening to perry white i'm like I recognize this voice. Who is this? And I didn't bother to look at the credits to see who did it, so I could then look it up on IMDb. So thank you for that, because I knew there was something I was recognizing. So cool. Okay. Um, now that we're talking about the second episode, I think really the the very first thing I want to bring up here, you know, not not the animation, nothing else, is the exposition from Lana Lang, like. One of the very first things we hear her say is she runs up to Clark, and Clark's all brooding after acing some test, and she runs up to him. And this is the quote. This is exactly what she says. I wrote this down verbatim. Hey, it's Lana. You know, the girl who's had a crush on you since we were three? Like, thanks for the exposition, Lana. Like, like, <laughs> really? Thank th- You know, it's like Clark should have looked at her like, yeah, I, I, I know. Why, why are you talking like that? Or, or, is this a cartoon? You know? <laughs> it was... T- it's Okay, I understand most people, because mind you, this, this predates Smallville. The, the cartoon, or not the cartoon, duh, the, the television show Smallville. This cartoon mm-hmm. predates that. So most people don't know who, or at the time, didn't know who Lana Lang was. They know Superman, they know Clark Kent, they know Lois Lane, but Lana Lang, who's that? So I understand that they had to introduce her and that maybe there would be a little exposition behind it. But the way they did it, I thought, was really poor. To have her just outright say that is like... You know what that is? That's from, like, the series Bible. Like, when they were writing the character descriptions. It's mm-hmm. that whole thing, you know, Lana Lang is the girl who had a crush on Superman slash Clark Kent since they were three. Like, that was straight out of the character, out of the character Bible, or bio slash Bible, that they had set aside for this whole series. That's what that was. And I, it's a, to make that dialogue was totally it was totally forced mm-hmm. did, did you pick up on that
1: yeah i did it yeah. was i was just i i was listening to it and it just went, like, what
0: yeah. <laughs> I was
2: i
1: didn't, i couldn't i couldn't concentrate for a second after yeah. i had to gather i had to gather myself and wonder wow that was that was uh, awkward yeah
0: i mean it <laughs> You know, they get a gag in after that, so it sort of makes up for the exposition, because when Clark's revealing... him at the locker room? Yeah, Clark's revealing yeah. his powers to her, and he's revealing that he can see through walls, and she says something about, like, have you ever taken a peek, or how many peeks have you taken at the girls' locker room? And he's like, Lana. And then he never really answers, because he runs away to go save the RV and try to stop the explosion <laughs> that, that's about to happen. So I sort of liked it where he's like, Lana, and then you almost expect him to go, Seven. You know <laughs> like, dot, 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 <laughs> okay,
1: that would have been, been fantastic,
0: but so, like I said, I mean, I like the fact that they made up for it with the gag, but it's still it doesn't erase it completely it's it's there and it's very noticeable, and it's it's painful, it's very painful to listen to that that mm-hmm. little bit of exposition,
1: yeah, I feel it's my duty here to uh, mention that uh, Jason Marsden did the voice of the teenage Clark Kent, and he would go on to. Be he would voice Snapper Carr in oh. Justice League and Gear in Static Shock.
2: Oh,
0: I didn't know that. Cool.
1: So, I love how these have they always they always keep like the same core. There's always people that they they call upon to do more voices later on, and they and all the ones that they they uh, you know call upon to do voices down the road always seem to do very well at it. Mm-hmm. So they I can't remember. I think it was was it uh, Ritmanis Lolita Ritmanis that did the voice casting. I can't remember. Uh, if she's the voice caster or not, but she, she was, she did very good at, she was very good at her job.
0: <laughs> it's not, I thought Andrea Romano was the, Oh, is it Romano? Yeah, yeah. I
1: always mix up their last names and I think that's what I, I screwed up. Okay. There, but yeah. Cause I thought she yeah. did the
0: whole voice casting of the DCAU.
1: Right. Yeah. Okay. Roma- yeah, you're right. It was Andrea Romano. She's
0: hot. I'm sorry. That was completely random.
1: <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> oh, come on.
0: Look, here. She's, she's an attractive older woman. What am I gonna say? you know
1: well, well, She. okay. <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay, well, I've got you flustered. Let me let me jump in with another thought of mine here. Okay, Clark, you know he's just found out what he is. He jumps the ravine and he jumps it again and he starts flying and he's going over Smallville. I in a, in a, in a weird way, I appreciated the Christ-like image of him descending upon the Kent farm. When he right before he uh, hugged them, you know, when he was coming down from his first flight, I there was a part of me that liked that because you have to realize Superman really is you know there's there's two biblical myths with him really okay, and one of them is the Christ myth. So for him to to have that kind of Christ look about him as he's coming down from the heavens, you know, flying, it worked for me. I didn't feel it was totally heavy handed like in Superman Returns. When when he's doing it there, I thought that was extremely heavy-handed. But here, I didn't feel it as much.
1: Well, I mean, look at how many times they call him a guardian angel. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, yeah, it makes sense.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, now, here's a question I want to pose for you. What did you think about having the Kents be a lot younger? Now, I don't mean in the flashbacks. I mean once he's an adult, you know, Clark is an adult. His parents, they're like in their 50s or 60s. Normally, the Kents are, for, are portrayed as being in their, like, 70s, 80s, or even dead. If you look, look, look at how old they were when, like, in the... Well, I don't know how familiar you are with the comics, but pre-Crisis uh, and Infinite Earths, his parents were really old. And in some continuities, they were dead. If you look at them in the Superman movies, again, really older and or dead. But then here, we get younger Kents. And I like that. I like younger Kents who are vibrant and are a part of his life. But how about you?
1: Well, I can't comment on the uh, on the old thing, because like, I'm not too familiar with the, the pre-crisis comics, and that as, as relates to the Kents, mm-hmm. but I do agree with you. I like the fact that they were young, because then they can come back and be part of the series for a long time. Mm-hmm. And it makes sense for them to reappear, even because if they were really old, then, you know, as the, as the... As the DCAU progresses further and further, you th- you, and they make another appearance because they, they do appear in Justice League, and you you would have to think, wow, shouldn't they be dead? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> as morbid as that sounds, but <laughs> you, you get you get what I'm saying. I
0: hope. Right now, <laughs> but, yeah. I'm having a hard time remembering. I don't think this was the first time they were portrayed as being a little younger in uh, the Lois and Clark TV show. Were they younger there, or what, what were they like in that show? I, I don't remember.
1: I have never watched an episode of that. Oh really? So sorry. Not even I, when it I'm... first
0: aired back in the nineties?
1: No, I, I just ne- I never got around to you know watching an episode of it. Oh. I guess I I feel bad about it, guys. Probably should I probably should have it at some point. Well, it's but... not
0: really that good. I'm just saying. I just wondered if you saw it. because um, I think they were portrayed a little younger there, but I, I could be wrong about that. So if that's the case, I think this cartoon was picking up something from that show. Um, cause again, I don't know why else they would have made them young if it wasn't established somewhere before. I don't know. Cause these are guys that very much love their continuity. I mean, yeah, they did insert Brainiac into the destruction of Krypton, but that served the whole series, making the Kents younger. It doesn't necessarily serve the series, you know, in, in mm-hmm. that same kind of way, I guess I should say. Um, and you'd think they'd stick with the older Kents or even having Pa Kent be dead. um, So I I, I really do think they picked it up from Lois and Clark, if that's how it was in there. I really think it was. Well, I don't know. I
1: think, you know, thinking back on it, I think I read read somewhere uh, a while back that uh, they modeled Martha Kent on Shirley Jones Hmm. and Lex Luthor on Telly
0: Savalas. Yeah, Lex Luthor is totally Savalas, yeah.
1: Yeah, and then Turpin was modeled on
0: Jack Kirby. Yes, that's very much Jack Kirby.
1: So that's, you know, that's probably what they did. They probably modeled Martha Kent and Jonathan Kent on real-life people.
0: What else do you have to say about the second part while we're focusing on that right now?
1: Uh, Dana Delaney rules <laughs> everything. Why is that? <laughs> because she is such a strong actress in every regard. I mean, when we got the first, our first exposure to her came with, with Mask of the Phantasm. and she She was really good in that, but, you know, she really takes the character of Lois Lane and just runs with it. Yeah. And I cannot think of anybody who would have done a better job. You know, this is, of course, hindsight, but still. Mm-hmm. I, I just, I love her portrayal of Lois Lane. Yeah. And she, she adds so much to that character just with her, uh, her uh, our, I guess, not mannerisms, but her inflections yeah. and everything else.
0: Yeah, by all rights, Lois Lane should be a character that we loathe. She's constantly trying to backstab Clark. I'm talking before she knew that Clark was Superman and they were all in love and married and all that, okay? She's mm-hmm. constantly backstabbing him, and she does it here. She, she's supposed to escort him to this press conference, and she gets in the elevator while he's distracted, leaving him behind, because she doesn't want to, quote-unquote, hold his hand, you know? So we shouldn't like this character at all. But Dana Delaney does, she brings so much to the voice and so much to the character that we can't help but like her despite some of her bitchier actions. <laughs> you know, I mean some of it of course does go to the writing, you know, yeah. but it, it the writing can totally fail if the voice actor or voice actress doesn't bring personality to the table and she truly brings a lot of personality to this character and a lot of depth, really, because again she is a stone-cold backstabbing, you know, career-minded woman but at the same time, there is a softer side to her. There, there, there is, and it comes through in the voice sometimes.
1: Like I said, her her, her range is very, very good. Mm-hmm. I I'm trying to think when we get when we go down the road and we get to uh, World's Finest. I think that's probably that might be her finest hour. Yeah. But uh, we'll get to that later on. Yeah. We're gonna we're gonna just <laughs> gush over that. <laughs>
0: But while we're talking about Part 2 here, I have to say, overall, it really wasn't that exciting. No, it wasn't. I mean, animation-wise, action-wise, you know, it just, there wasn't a hook. I just didn't, when I was done watching it, I was like, do I want to watch Part 3 tonight, or do I want to finish it up tomorrow? And I was like, oh, I'll just watch Part 3 to get it out of the way. There was nothing that really made me want to continue on that evening.
1: Yeah, I'll tell you what, when I was when i got done watching the episode i looked i was watching the credits and i saw john corbin listed in the character list i was like whoa whoa metalla was in this episode i had to i had to rewind it and i went back and i looked as the, the terrorists yeah. break into the to the lexcorp building I, and i listened to the voice i was like wow that is that is john
0: corbin huh. yeah i almost wrote that in my notes when the terrorists were stealing the you know the the robo suit i was like i was listening to it and i'm like is that Metallo? Metallo, really? Is that him? And I then kind of just set it aside. I didn't think about it anymore. And then when we got to the third part and I saw it was him, I was like, holy shit, it was him. I just thought, again, they were using a voice actor over again. Like, this was just some terrorist whose face we'd never see. I didn't really remember that the character came back and that it really was Corbin there. Um and I, like I said, I just thought, oh, okay, just, they liked what he did with that bit part. We'll use him again later on with this bigger character. So, cool. again, cool that they introduced this character this early on in the series. They knew what they were setting up down the line. Where with Batman, it really was just, here's an episode, here's an episode, here's a little continuity, here's 12 more episodes, okay, here's a little more continuity. Here, in these first three episodes, so much is set up for the future. And it's, it's not like they don't get back to it. They totally get back to everything they set up here. You know, the tension between Lex and Superman. You know, the tension between Lex and Lois. Lois says, hey, we used to date, and that explains some of the tension they have. Corbin is here. Brainiac is here. They, Kasnia. They, they mentioned the, the Phantom Zone criminals. <laughs> or, and, or not the criminals per se, but the Phantom Zone, they mention, and they do say that there are criminals in there. You know, we see little bits of kryptonite go through the wormhole, so we know those are going to come up. So much is set up in these first three episodes, and they just, they, just, they just take those balls and they juggle them nicely down the line, I felt.
1: One thing I, one little gripe I just noticed was, uh, speaking of the terrorists, is that when Superman pushes the one guy into the other and they're, their little hovercrafts explode, and they they fall. They don't even activate their parachutes. They just kind of f- fly out. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> just another little animation problem I have with this episode.
0: <laughs> yeah, I, I wasn't crazy about Superman pushing the two ships into one another anyways. It's like, because it didn't even look like those guys had parachutes on. No. It's like the parachutes just came out of their helmets or something. All of a sudden, oh, wait, they did have parachutes. And I'm like, We're what? out of their spines. Yeah, it's like, what is Superman doing there? Can, is he using his X-ray vision to see that, yes, there are parachutes there? Or did he just get lucky? Because <laughs> to me, it looked like he just got lucky. <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah, I'm going to have to agree with you.
0: Yeah. Uh, but, uh... So then, how about we... I'm sorry, go ahead, please.
1: Oh, I was going to say, do you want to move on to part?
0: That's exactly what I was going to say. <laughs> okay, so now, what, what are your thoughts about this third and final chapter of this opening arc here
1: well for one thing I'm glad they picked it back up mm-hmm, yeah. and they made a really good episode out of this uh, there were some great action sequences great voice acting the animation was once again really really pretty to look at for lack of a better phrase uh, there were some great great one liners uh, they they introduced Kasnia and um, they have a very very brutal ending mm-hmm. which we'll get to in, in a little bit yeah and so, overall, I really, really dig uh, dig this, part of the, this third part of this uh, opening debut.
0: Yeah. Now, I'm a little torn. I, I wrote down two one-liners that... Um, no, I wrote down three one-liners, actually. And I, I haven't decided which one's my favorite. So I'm going to throw them out there. And I'm going to kind of decide on the fly. And I want to ask you which one you prefer. Maybe you have your own list of one-liners, too. I have three myself. Okay. The three I wrote down were Nice S... Bingo. In regards to the ass of Superman's chest, but everybody in the room turns around like, wait, did you just say nice ass? I thought that was a very <laughs> mature thing to add to this cartoon. I mean, yes. you know, the Batman cartoons, again, you can get away with being a little more mature because they were darker, but because this cartoon is much more vibrant, the, the colors are much more lush, it is going to attract kids a little more than that Batman cartoon is going to. So to get a line in there like that, it's like, ooh, haha, the censors missed that. The other one, or one of the other ones, comes at the very end. After Superman has beaten Corbin in ED-209, he says, shall we go a few rounds without the suit? You don't get to see Superman really like that all that often. I mean, yes, he's, you know, like one of the strongest, if not the strongest guy in the entire universe, blah, 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 blah. But you don't get this, you really don't see him intimidate people with his strength, verbally at least, I mean. You understand what I'm saying? Oh, yeah, because... Normally it's like... It's like, okay, we we all know how strong Superman is, blah, 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 He doesn't need to kind of threaten you. But here he's actually threatening someone. But you could chalk that up to basically this is the first time he's had a big superhero battle. So maybe he needed to kind of estab- establish that reputation. You know, it hadn't been established for him yet, so he was being a little more forward with his powers. I don't know. That's, I, that's just something I was thinking. What were you going to say?
1: Well, anyway, it was... That's not even the one-liner I wrote in that scene. It was the one he says after when Corbin's like, no, and then he says, too bad. Oh,
0: I forgot about that one, yes. <laughs>
1: That's what I wrote down, but, yeah, you, the whole thing was great.
0: Now, I'll allow you to say the third one-liner because I know we wrote down the same one.
1: Of course we did. I don't want people to think you're like that nut in Gotham City. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes. Yeah. That That was fantastic.
0: Right, because without that, without mentioning that, you could think that these were two separate cartoons that were just produced by the same studios and people. You know, you would think, oh, okay, Bruce Tim and them just moved on over to Superman, and Batman's. we're not going to see him anymore. But the second, you know, Martha Kent mentions the nut in Gotham, you're like, whoa, there's a continuity between two cartoons. How cool is that? And it's done in, and it's done in a very realistic way, too, because the average... Person on the street, especially someone from small town America, is going to think that some guy in a fright mask running around, you know, one of the most dangerous cities in the world, is a nut. He is. He absolutely is a nut. You don't even have to think he's a nut. He, you know he's a nut. So yeah. I, I, I thought it was again. It established great continuity, but it showed what the world at large really does think about Batman, and that's a you know. Again, there's that whole argument. You know, do they think Batman's a myth? Do they think he's a real guy? She obviously thinks he's a real guy, and he's crazy. So I loved it.
1: Yeah, which is probably an opinion held by many people
0: mm-hmm. in the DC universe. Yeah, yeah, including some of his. And I'll use the term loosely. Friends.
1: <laughs> mm-hmm. I guess the next thing we, that happened that we that I can remember happening here that's of uh, note was Lois mentioning that he that or that she dated Lex. Mm-hmm. Was that, is that actually, like, canon? Did that happen in the comics?
0: I do not know when it became canon, but yes, it is. Um, in Superman for All Seasons by Jeff Loeb and Tim Sale, uh, they were dating. Um, I think their relationship had just ended. In, um, I want to say, shoot, 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 shoot. It was another one-shot. Oh uh, Shoot. There, there's a, there's a couple of books where it has been mentioned that Lois and Lex were a couple at one point. And shoot, what is it? It's called Clark Kent. Shoot, it's a one shot where Clark Kent is framed for murder. And the only way that he can prove that he didn't kill someone is to admit he's Superman. Because he, because think about it. Clark Kent doesn't have an alibi. Unless he right. says, I was Superman, so I obviously couldn't have been at this scene of the crime. And I'm 99% sure in that book, and I, please someone write in and let me know the name of it. I know the name of it. I own it. It's in my comic collection. I just, for whatever reason, I'm blanking on it. So someone, yeah, definitely write in and let me know. But I could swear in there, we, it's, it's, I, we get to see Lois and Lex as an item. But I could be wrong about that. I could be wrong. But I know there's other points where it's referenced that, yes, they were a couple very, very early on when Lex still actually had red hair. Before mm-hmm. he went bald, they they were an item. But I, maybe that does date all the way back until the 30s and 40s. Maybe it's something that's slightly more modern. I don't know, but it is continuity now, yes.
1: Okay. Well, that's good. Then, yet more continuity we're seeing here. Mm-hmm. At least, uh, least homages
0: to the comics. Right, yeah. Because they didn't have to throw that in. They very easily, very easily just could have left it that, Lex doesn't like Lois because she won't date him. He doesn't like her because she's constantly digging into his personal affairs and trying Mm -hmm. to make him out, trying to expose him as the criminal he is. But no, they added an extra element in there that there's this sexual tension between them. And you know what? I think it was even part, their relationship was even part of the, again, Lois and Clark TV show. I think they had dated in that show before Clark showed up. Mm. I think so. But again, you wouldn't know because I know you said you didn't see it, so... But
1: oh well. Well, um, Then, of course, like I said earlier, we were introduced to uh, Kaznian operatives, and anytime they bring up Kaznia in in the DCAU, I love it because that's like that's been established as the the country that can do no good (laughs) in this entire in this entire universe, from from Batman all the way to Justice League. It's Kaznia is like the root of all evil, and they're they're embargoed. And I, that's another thing. Then I, I just thought about that off the top of my head. They mentioned an embargo uh, on Kaznia in this episode, in part three, and they actually revisit that later in Justice League. I didn't even think about that. Do they? Just, you know, what
0: do they do? I don't remember. Well, they just
1: there's remember the episode where Wonder Woman goes to Kaznia and uh, she like flies out around the town with the basically the princess of the country and um, uh, the that Casnia That's she's like the princess of Kaznia and. Uh, they mentioned they actually mentioned the weapons embargo that they're under in that episode, so huh. that was really cool too. I
0: do not remember that. Huh. So is that, I guess you'll just have to take my word for yeah, it. Is that part of <laughs> Justice League <laughs> or JLU? Justice League. Okay, okay. I'm a little more familiar with JL uh, JLU than I am with the Justice mm-hmm. League cartoon. So cool, cool, cool. That's neat. You know,
1: but one question I have about casting: you know. Are they supposed to be German or Slavic? I don't because know. I don't know. <laughs> like like their, their, their 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 accents just go up and down and up and down and up and down, and I never know where they're supposed supposed—they're like technically supposed to be from or modeled off of. Yeah,
0: I, I just appreciate the fact that they're not Middle Eastern. So oh, yeah. make them whatever you want. just I'm glad they didn't go with the cliched Middle Eastern type of terrorist, that they went with some sort of Eastern European diehard type, you know. Terrorist. Oh, yeah, exactly. Like it was like diehard. I, I, I appreciate that on so many levels because I'm tired of, of seeing the Middle Eastern bad guys, it's like, please, there's other types of terrorists in the world. They're not all from one area. Geez, stop it, please. So yeah, yeah, that was that was neat that they changed that up there. Um, now, one of the things, another thing I really liked about this was the instant animosity, not necessarily between Superman and Lex, but between Clark and Lex. The first time those two meet. Clark starts accusing Lex Luthor of being in on the theft of Ed 209.
1: Mm-hmm. I mean, Ed 209. Oh, come on, what else am I going to call it? I mean, it's
0: Ed freaking 209. Well, no, it's called the
1: Lexus I don't care okay. what it's
0: called. It's Ed 209. Jeez. <sighs> Anyways, fine. The Lexo suits. Oh, okay.
1: (laughs) Hey, we're trying to be as accurate as possible, damn it.
0: Yeah, yeah, I guess so. I guess so. But anyways, I mean, he flat out accuses him. He he, he instantly says, oh, yeah, because that got stolen, the U.S. government's going to give you a bigger contract now, aren't they? And Lex turns to Lois and he says something like, who is this? You know, just kind of like blows him off. So I love it that right from the get-go, Clark Kent doesn't fear Luthor who every pretty much everybody else fears. I mean, there's few people that don't fear him. And Clark is now one of them. And I, I really thought that was cool. He's totally not intimidated by this guy who really could, you know, ruin his career and thus ruin his secret identity. And Clark would have to start all over with his new identity. And it, it doesn't, it's not, it's water off his back. He don't care.
1: Yeah. Um... But you know, speaking of ED-209, Lexus, whatever you want to call it, um, it has a remote entry.
0: Oh, yeah,
2: the <laughs> boop, boop, I was like, what was
0: that? I, I, that had to <laughs> be put in there as a little gag. That absolutely yeah, it had to had be a to. gag. I'm, I'm I'm making this up totally, but I'm thinking maybe one of the guys who worked on the show had a car alarm or something that they all freaking hated. Because you know how annoying car alarms are, for God's sakes. Oh, God, yes. And they, they threw it in there as a gag to whoever it was. Instead of, you know, in Batman, the animated series, we got all those names all the time. And a lot of them were animators, producers, writers, whatever. You know, here, I think this gag was much more subtle. But maybe it wasn't a gag. Maybe they just... And it no, wasn't no, a shot no. of someone. Yeah. And they just threw it in there because... They did. I don't know, but it, that was when I heard that. I was like, "Wait, what? What, what did I just hear?" <laughs>
1: it had to be a gag because it was the exact sound that a remote entry car would make. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. but uh, speaking of that, speaking of that fight, which was a really, really great mm-hmm. fight, um, when as it goes on and on and it's get nearing the end, uh, and Corbin takes Superman and crushes him between the car, throws him into the building, crushes him, and. Napalm. and it was, it was like, wow, dude, <laughs> smothered, tossed, crushed, and napalmed. Wow, it's like a psychotic Waffle House hash brown
2: <laughs> order. Yeah,
0: because that's the thing. At this point, Corbin really doesn't know how powerful this super guy is, right? So he's mm-hmm. just he's just making sure that he's dead by doing all that. He's like, yeah, I'm going overboard, but you know what? I bet I, I want to be. You know, it's better to be safe than sorry. You know. And then he still yep. goes up, and it's like, shit. <laughs> I appreciated how after that happened, Superman just destroyed the suit, just literally ripped the limbs off of it. Um, Just here's an arm, here's another arm, here's a leg, and then blows it over off the top of the building. I didn't like that part. I didn't like him recklessly endangering everybody on the street and destroying property to, to finish the battle, because at that point he really just could have ripped Corbin out of the suit. But I did like how he dismantled The suit. Because he was pissed off. I mean, buildings dropped on him and fire raining on him. And he's like, screw this, I'm tired. Rip, 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 you're done.
1: But would you like to go in? (laughs) Please? Yeah. Please say, please say yes.
0: Now, but again, I I, I have to bring up a a gripe I have with this third part. Mm -hmm. When Lois gets abducted, Corbin pulls a gun on her. She sees the suit. He's like, I wish you hadn't seen that. And she's like, me too. He pulls a gun on her. Next time we see her, she's tied to a girder or something, and she's still alive. (laughs) Why were they waiting to shoot her? She's on a ship. Who the hell is going to hear a gun going off on a ship that large? You know, I mean, mean, off the ship. You understand what I'm saying? Everybody that's on the ship is a terrorist. They're not going to flinch at a gunshot. They're like, oh, okay, our leader just killed someone. No big deal. But no one off the ship's going to hear that. It's too loud. It's 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 too uh, structurally sound, and I think no sound is going to get out of it. Bibbo isn't going to hear it. He's too busy bumbling over where he is
1: and getting a soda. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Technically, it was but, a soda. You got a soda. Oh, yes, soda. Yeah.
1: yeah. and it's even worse though because they, in the next scene, uh, Lois is like when she's tied up. Lois is saying look i have i know this guy and he's going to be here if he will he will call the cops and he he's going to know that i uh, something's wrong and then he says lady if anybody knew you were here then they would have done something by now right. so it's like wow it's they established that he should have killed
0: yeah. her already yeah it's like oh we're just waiting for that alien to swoop in right about crash there we go like a little weak there it's definitely a little weak. i thought But, Mm -hmm. again, I understand why they can't kill Lois Lane. I'm not advocating for her to be shot in the face seven times. That's not what I'm saying. I'm just pointing out the fact that it was, uh, the second the gun was pulled on her, that's when Superman should have flew in. Corbin should have ran to the suit. The fight ensues. There was really, you know, no need for her to get tied up like that, and for them to wait. It was ridiculous. Mm
1: Mm-hmm.
0: But, anyways, Uh, what what else about this one?
1: Well... I guess I could mention the ending when uh, the Brainiac satellite is discovered. Oh, I forgot about uh, that. That's
0: right. In fact, I almost turned the DVD off because it, it kind of fades out and then fades back in. I was like, mm-hmm. "Oh, this is over," and I literally start to hit the power button, and then it started coming back on. I'm like, "Oh, it's not over!" Whoa!
1: <laughs> <laughs> of course not. You can't. You can't just wonder what happened to Brainiac. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, these aliens pick up uh, the, the Brainiac satellite uh, in their spaceship, and Brainiac. Uh, eviscerates them. Yeah. <laughs> they, there's like pink blood on the wall that gets splattered in the. I guess they could get away with it because they're aliens and it wasn't red blood yeah. and everything. Or gut, like human guts splattered on the wall, but it was still alien guts being splattered on the wall. Mm. So then the the thing like basically forms what could loosely be called a uh, body and implants itself, he implants itself into the spaceship, yeah. and that's the la- and that's what we see last, which I thought was really cool because it. It, allows us to rem- it reminds the audience, hey, look, Brainiac
0: is still here. Yeah, He's alive. There's a threat coming. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Again, setting up what would come later. I totally dig that they did this with this cartoon instead of, again, just going episode to episode as they did in Batman. So what do you score the last son of Krypton?
1: Well, let's see. I graded each episode separately, and then I took an average of all of them, and I, I came out with an 8. Okay so i'll go with that that sounds about right
0: i'm gonna go with a seven um i I really have to say that i think the second episode the animation in it and the lack of excitement really brought it down if it would have been if they could have tweaked that one a little more i definitely would have given this an eight maybe even a nine
2: i'm afraid we already have a window washer oh the silent treatment day Well, I don't know what you thought you heard out there, but I know what you can prove, and it's nothing. You see, Uh, Superman, I own Metropolis. My technology built it, my will keeps it going, and nearly two-thirds of its people work for me whether they know it or not. Even you have to admit it's a model of efficiency. And yet... I've often thought, why limit myself to just one city? A being with your abilities could be very useful to me on a... Shall we say... global scale? Why don't you float on in and we'll discuss it? Say something!
0: I'll be watching you, Luthor.
2: finish with you. Hey, look! There he is! Yes,
0: Feedback in the form of emails and MP3s can be sent to feedback at worldsfinestpodcast.com. That's feedback at worldsfinestpodcast.com. Next time on World's Finest Podcast, we'll discuss five more episodes from Superman, the animated series. Those being fun and games, a little piece of home, feeding time, the way of all flesh, and stolen memories. For James Doe, I'm Michael David Sims saying thank you for listening to World's Finest Podcast.